Good morning. I don't know if this is on very well. I can't hear it. Y'all hear me okay? Technical difficulties already. Hey, if you don't know, uh, we had a great camp this week at church camp. We had right around 100 campers. Amy uh, was the director. She did a great job. And actually, I'm going to ask you guys, we don't normally do this, but everybody give Amy a big hand for everything. She put in a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. We had so many churches that came together. Um, you know, we always have one church that, that does all the rec work. That's such a hard job to, to take care of all the rec, planning out all the games, put in all the time. We, have, we had one church that always does that, and they did, you know, Melanie Jarchow and her husband, Justin, they did a great job uh, putting that all together. Runks came and spoke. He did an awesome job. If you didn't see the guy holding up his big hairy armpit, that was Runks. And that was his stories. That was one of his stories that he talked about, how he was uh, just infatuated with that at one time as a kid. And, and it, I mean, his stories are crazy. And he'll tell you, he said, I have ADD, ADHD, ABCD, EFG. He has all of it. But he's so funny, and he keeps the kids entertained. And so, you know, having him there was a blessing. Having Morgan's church come and sing was a blessing. Having everyone that we had from our church come and help with the dinner and the lunch and then the breakfast and just you guys, everybody that showed up, it was such a help because these kids need Jesus more than anything right now. Uh, with the pandemics and the isolation, I'm fixed to get emotional because it hurts. But they need to know somebody cares. They need other kids there to help them. They need to be around other kids that love Jesus too. And uh, that's, that's the best thing I got out of this week. Daryl asked me if I want to share something. And I wasn't sure I was going to, but I'm going to because it's important. And so... We got there this week, and for the longest, for like six months, I've been asking God, like, help me find my place. Because for a while, you guys, I was, I was on a different path. I was, um, I was on fire for God, saying yes to everything he wanted me to do. I was really, uh, I talked to Daryl about preaching. I was preaching every chance I got. It was, it was coming easy. You know, I was on the mountaintop. And then when... Uh, the virus hit. It's really easy to get hit hard, to fall down, to get in the, in the valley, in the low, and not and know how to come out. And so I was just kind of asking him, like, show me something I can help with. Show me something to pull me out of this. You know, we had a lesson in class this morning, and the guy was talking about searching for Jesus. If you search for what Jesus is trying to show you, you'll find it. If you'll search for it. This is going to be hard. <laughs> so that's what I've been praying for. That's what I've been asking him for. And the very first night that Runks comes to preach, he lays out the gospel, you know, how to be saved. And he'll tell them straight up, you know, we want to talk about how to be saved, but it's not just about being saved. It's about being saved, getting saved, living saved, and telling others how to be saved. You know, it's not just about getting saved. It's, it's all of the above. And so I asked God, I said, look, just help me with this. The very first night he gets done preaching, and... He tells all the kids, just like most of them do, bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around. And I was expecting, I told Daryl, I've told about three different people this, how this hit me. And he said, if you know, and I was expecting him to say, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you need Jesus and you're not saved, raise your hand. He didn't ask him that. He said, if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved and you're going to heaven tonight, raise your hand. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, nobody looking around, if you know without a doubt you're going to heaven, raise your hand. And we had a hundred kids there. About 20 kids, 15 to 20 kids raise their hand out of a hundred. And it's not that they aren't saved. It's they live with the fear of not knowing if they're saved. And that's what I needed. I needed God to help me. I needed him to help me give me a place to let these kids not live in fear anymore. And that's what this whole week was about. You don't have to live in fear. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're saved. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and you can share that with others. And so that became my mission all week. You know, how do I tell these kids that they are saved, that they can be saved, and that others can be saved? And, you know, with the game plan that Amy have, there is no fear in love. Perfect love cast out all fear. So they didn't have to fear that anymore. And so this camp, this camp was good for the kids. But this camp was good for me. This camp was good for the workers. There's several I've talked to about coming to work next year and just tell them, look, guys, this is a good opportunity for you, for Jesus to show you something. 
and how you can how it can change your life. And that's it's done that for me. I hope it's done it for them. We had a good time. You've seen the songs, you've seen the clapping and the dancing, all that's great. But just knowing that there's more of these kids that left this week, knowing that they know Jesus and not living in that fear, that made it all worth it for us. Um so I thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank you for putting forth the effort and the money and everything that you do to help these kids do that, to help me do this, uh, because it's all worth it in the end. The one other good thing, this is, this is the one thing I wanted to announce. Um, the kids are already planning stuff with these other churches. You know, normally it's us. Normally it's the youth leaders, the group leaders. We have to go together and say, all right, this is what we're going to do here. Well, they've already caught wind from these other churches, the events they're putting on. They're like, all right, we're going. Who's going to take us? So now it's become my job to jump in and say, all right, we're going. I'll take you. So next Sunday uh, at Morgan's Church, at Shepherd's, Morgan's Church, Lord's Church, <laughs> but at, at Shepherd's Heart, they're having a youth event at 6 o'clock. So we're going to leave here at 5 o'clock. Any youth that wants to go, invite your friends. We're going to take as many as we can take. You know, if we, need to, if we need to hustle up some more drivers, we'll find those. But 6 o'clock at their church, they're having a youth rally. And we'll find out the next one from there. I'm sure we'll be doing this quite a bit. But these kids are on fire for God right now. It's been a good week for them, so encourage them. You know, push them out, push them forward. Tell them to tell others about Jesus because that's what it's all about. So you guys help us this morning. And uh, I'm going to let Rusty and them sing. I'm going to pray for us. If you guys want to stand first, I'm going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, day. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, as we go forward um, just in this service, help us to sing out to you, to praise you for all the good things, Lord. For all those that, um, that are here, for all those that are watching, Lord, just, just allow us to praise you in all things, in the good and the bad, in the high and the lows. And Lord, help us live without fear, uh, without fear of what others think, without fear of what others will say, just in, just in a true love for you. Lord, help us cast out that fear of all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
started a, um, a new video series in Sunday School this morning and kind of mentioned it um, about searching for Jesus, but he talked about looking for Jesus, being aware and actively looking to try to find him, and I just, I just got to thinking about this morning and how many times we may, you know, come to church and don't actively look for Jesus, and I leave church feeling like I didn't see him, I didn't feel him. Have you ever came to church on a Sunday and left and been like, I wonder where so-and-so was, I didn't see him, and then somebody else says, oh, they were there, and I was like, oh, well, I didn't see him because I wasn't looking for them. I'm sure y'all have done that. You thought somebody wasn't at church, and they were there. You just didn't see them because you weren't actively looking that person and I feel like we do that a lot with Jesus we come to church but we don't look for him and the truth is he's here I mean we right now in this very moment we are in the presence of Jesus Christ just just think about that and feel that for just a minute I mean you may have a million things going on in your head right now but we are in the presence of Jesus right now you are in the presence of Jesus I mean you, we think about it, what we would do if we were in the presence of Jesus Christ, and we think of all these things that we would do, but we're in that place right now. We are in his presence, and so many times we just come and we just passively worship and we just sing the songs, but we are in the presence of Jesus, and I feel like we need to worship like we're in the presence of Jesus, so... My prayer this morning is that we would just look for him because if we don't look for him, we're going to miss him and he's here. So let's just worship like we're in his presence this morning. time I try to stand, I start to fall. Start that all over again, Daniel. Every time I try to stand, I start to fall. 
Every time I try to stand, I start to fall On these lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And there was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment where I've been, For this man who needs amazing kind of grace For forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day There was Jesus There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus on the mountain, in the valleys. There was Jesus in the shadows of the alleys. Every moment where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know I couldn't see it, there was Jesus. There was Jesus.
Bible with you, your Bible, your phone, your iPad, Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13. I made mention of this last week, if you're here, if you saw it, uh, Hebrews, I made mention of the verse 12, one of the more popular verses in the, in the book. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, we're going to go over, uh, take up, take off where we left off last time and what I said about this passage. It's not so much misunderstood as kind of incomplete. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his, and once you pay attention and see that word his, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are, are, are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and almost always that's taken to mean the Bible. I believe that's true, but what I mentioned last week, and this is where we'll take off with this thought and talk about it a little bit more, I'd really like for all the, for all the teachers in our church to 
really grasp this because I, I want, if you're dealing with this issue in your, in your, in your classroom, I'd like to deal with it as accurately, bi biblically as possible. So the word of God is quick and active. It's powerful. Discerner. Uh, well, that's the Bible, right? It certainly is. But the writer, the Hebrew pastor, as he preached this, didn't have a Bible. It wasn't written yet. And the irony of it is, you know, he's writing it right now, right? Now, there were scriptures along the way. There, there were Old Testament books. The Old Testament books that he would have had access to uh, in contents the same, but nothing like, nothing like this, all right? They just didn't have that. The canon of scripture was not even close to being put, to, put together yet. So, the word of God. It is the Bible. Uh, it is active, it, but it's much, much more than that. It's not less than that. It's much more than that. Sometimes we, we will take a verse like Hebrews 4.12 and we'll, we'll limit it to, okay, that's the Bible and the Bible only. But that's not, it's not biblically true. All right? It's much more than that. Jesus is the word of God. So I put it this way, and there's an outline of this on the back, on the opposite side of your announcements. A lot of it will be on the, on the screen. The spoken, so the word of God, the spoken and the written word of God through, by, and for Jesus Christ, the living word of God. So the living word of God is responsible and is active in producing the written word of God. Uh, let's look at, uh, look, look at some scriptures before we get to the application. That's why I divided your outline into Bible study. Okay, we'll look at what the Bible says about the Word of God, and then we'll look at the application, uh, going to apply it to ourselves. Look at the, the cool uh, similarities between Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, right there, see it? You see that? Then God said. So what's that? The Word of God. This is the Word of God. What God said. Let there be light, and there was light. And then as the date, we're not going to, we're going to go on to the book of John now, but as the days go on, if you read your Bible, you know what it says in the next day, and the next day, God spoke, God spoke. What is that? That's the word of God, the spoken word. This is what God says, this is what God thinks, this is what God feels, this is who God is. It's so much more than the written word you may have in your lap. So much more. Okay, all right, so on to John chapter 1 and look at the similarities. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. From the very beginning, there was the word. It wasn't waiting to be written. It already was. In fact, there's never been a time there wasn't the word of God. Okay, it, uh, God didn't wait for us to print it. God already was saying it in the beginning was the word. He, uh, he, was in, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, Jesus. Nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it the darkness cannot overcome it okay so there's genesis and there's john first first peter writes in first peter chapter 1 20 through 23 also on your on your screen now when peter when john wrote what he wrote when peter wrote what he what we're going to read what the hebrew pastor wrote the Bible had not been written yet, 
Okay? So they understood the word of God beyond just the printed, written word. So Peter writes, uh, we're going to go from 20 to 23. He indeed was, speaking of, speaking of Jesus, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest or shown in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Now up to this point he's been talking about Jesus. O only, there's no other, there's no one else like that. This, it can only apply to him. So he's been talking about Jesus up, up to this point. And this, this incorruptible seed that we've been born again by, the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, where we started out with way back, God, who at various times and in, and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, these days, spoken to us by his Son, who he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made, he made, the, made the worlds. The next screen before we get on to the application. So this is a very short way to say it. The word of God is a he, not an it. Okay. And again, I'd like for every class that we have, whenever this is taught, that is so much more. It is the scriptures, but it's so much more. The living word of God. I understand when we say that the Bible is, is alive. I, I get that. That's not what that pastor meant. He meant Jesus is alive. I get that the Bible is alive. It's active. But I also get when he meant Jesus is, is alive. And uh, like the, the, the song we sang, there was Jesus. And I want to make another reference to that song. There is nowhere that he's not. Let's get on to the application of, of this. I struggled right here to know what to do. Matt, what I'm going to do is, and somebody's already teased me about it this morning, I'm not doing this because I got teased. If I made a change every time you tease me about something, I'd be changing all the time. But somebody already teased me this morning that we're going to go through two verses. That seemed like a lot, you know. So I actually am going to cut this message in half. Matt, what I'm going to do is skip down to the sharper word. If you're looking at your outline, I'm going to skip down to the sharper word. Here's my fear. I've already given you a lot, or at least some, in Scripture. There's a lot to think about. Some of, the, some of you have never even thought about some of the things I just said, that the living Word of God could be m more than just what is, what is printed. Uh, so uh, my fear is I can give you too much, and we get down to the sharper word. This is where I want you to really get this. Okay, if I do too much ahead of that, I'm afraid you're not going to get it. So I want you to see, leading down to that point, I'm not going to cover, not going to cover, cover the living word and powerful word today. I might do that next week. Let's see what God does. I just want to mention, reemphasize again, that the living word of God means that Jesus, exactly what Lindsay said, exactly what that song said, and what Paul said, there is. He is not far from any one of us. There is nowhere that he is not. And so he's here. Okay? He's right here with us. He is the living word of God. And he is speaking. Now, in that verse, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living. It's powerful. For right now, I'm going to skip that and go on to this. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Okay, this is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus does with us. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints 
and, and marrow. He cuts us in half. He cuts us in pieces. And he is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now let me add, let me change the word there. He's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Now I'm going to say this. You already know this, but I want you, for right now, I want you to feel this. There's nothing about you that he does not know. And there's nothing about you that he does not see right now. There's nothing going on in your head, in your mind, in your heart that God does not see right now. There's nothing that you can hide from him. There's nothing that you can do, nothing that you can think, nowhere that you can go that he does not see you, that he does not know, okay? Now, I know you know that, but this morning I'm, I'm trying to get you to feel that. I'm trying to get you to think about that, uh, that again. And what I'm asking you to do when we, are, when we deal with the sharper word, this divisive, it is. When I say divisive, it's dividing it's cutting into us. It's opening us up where we know that he sees us. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever felt this. Have you ever? And it, it doesn't happen often, but it's one of those rare times when I get that, just the overwhelming sense that God sees me. That God sees me. He knows exactly what I'm thinking. You know, God sees that. And that's what I want you to know this morning, what I want you to see and feel. There's nothing about you. Jesus does not know. He knows what's wrong with you, and he knows what's right with you. As we move along, we're going to go to what is wrong with you. Take that first, and then we're going to go with what is right with you. What's wrong with you? This morning I want to ask you to do something that is hard for us to do, because especially as the, the word, sometimes as it cuts deeply, we're afraid to respond because of what everybody else thinks. Well, this morning, everybody else should be thinking the same thing. This message is for me, okay? It's not about the person sitting next to me across, across the aisle. This message is for, is for me. What is wrong with you? Now, I hope all of you are brave enough or are enough that you will admit there's something wrong with you. And what I ask you to do this morning is to respond any way that you can to get this right. What is wrong with you? There's something wrong with all of us. And God sees that. Now, you'll try to hide it. And, and I know that no matter what I say, we're not going to change the way we do this. But you ask uh, somebody, how, how are you doing? What's, what do they usually say? Fine. Okay. They're liars, right? Right, because, they're, because oftentimes we're not. Fine. What is wrong with you? Now, I'm gonna, I, I need you to answer that because you know. You know. What is wrong with you? Last week, uh, you know, went through the, the work week, went to camp, and I know what's wrong with, with me. I'm, I know what's wrong with me. I'm not sure how to fix it. That's where I need Jesus. I know what's wrong with me. I'm not going to tell you what it is, and I haven't told anybody what it is. I haven't talked about this with anyone, anyone. I'm talking with Jesus about this. But Jesus and I are talking about this. And, uh, in fact, last week's at, uh, camp, just waiting for the service to start, I was thinking about this. What is wrong with me? And I know what's wrong with me. And I need, and I need Jesus to help me work on this. So what's wrong with you? Now, there's a, an, an issue God has to deal with all of us, and that is there's something wrong with all of us. And because of sin, God has put a curse on us. And we have to deal with the consequences of sin. And God is dealing with that with us. The curse that, uh, the, the curse that sin brings. That's why sometimes we're sick. That's where, that's where sin comes from. That's where war comes from. Where's the pandemic come from? Sin. It's just, it really is as simple as that. 
And so God deals with that with us. And here's what we struggle with. There are some things wrong with us in the physical and in the spiritual that, that needs to be fixed. The thing that I'm dealing with Jesus about needs to be fixed. There's no doubt in my mind this needs to be fixed in me. Jesus, I need you to help me. I admit to you this thing is wrong with me, and this needs to be fixed. It's not God's fault, but because of sin, because of I inherited this, it's, but God can fix this, okay, in me. Now, there are some things, and we read about it, especially, for instance, with the Apostle Paul, where there was something physically wrong with him, and he talked to Jesus about it three times. He had the thorn in the, in the flesh, and, and, and Jesus replied to him. In fact, the last song is actually based on that verse. Jesus, you are, you are enough. What did Jesus say to Paul? My grace is sufficient. What's another word for sufficient? Enough. That's where that song comes from. My grace is sufficient for you. So God didn't fix that. This is, this is where we have to get alone with Jesus about some things. Here, the bottom line is, there are some things wrong with you that need to be fixed. That Jesus can fix. There are some things wrong with you that need to be healed. Jesus can heal them. There are some things wrong with you that he's not going to fix. Okay? He's not going to fix it. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to live with it for the rest of your life. There are some things about you that he's not going to heal. And he's going to say instead of that, my grace is sufficient for you. I am enough for you. Just trust me. Just trust me. You're going to have to deal with this. There's a reason that I'm leaving this with you. And so you and I have to get along with Christ, and we're going to have to work some, work some things out. I've, I've been through that Paul thing. God, why am I the way I am? What is wrong? God, can't you change this? Can't you fix this? And, and, and his answer to me was, no, this is the way I made you. This is the way I intend for you to be. You're going to have to live with this. You're going to have to deal with this. And there's a reason behind it. I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to fix this one. But what I dealt with last week and what I'm dealing with now does need to be fixed. How do you know the difference? You've got to get along with Jesus about that. There are, some, there are a lot of things wrong with us. There are a lot of things wrong with you. There are a lot of things wrong with me. Now, let's just, let's just everybody in the room admit that that's true. Not about me part, about you. That there's something wrong with all of us. Let's just get to the point where we can honestly admit the, the, the living word of God is right. He's a, he's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's nothing that he can't see, and he sees those things wrong with you. And just admit, before you can ever get it fixed, you're going to have to admit that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. There's something wrong with me. And, and I don't know if you've been through the process, but, but if you haven't, you're going to have to. Lord, what is it that, that's wrong with me that's supposed to just stay? And I've got to live with it. I've got to deal with it. Or, and, Lord, there's this thing that's wrong with me, this sin, this temptation, this addiction, this whatever. I know it's not what you want. I know it. Now, here it is. You know. Especially the one that needs to be fixed. Especially the one that needs to be healed. You know it. Admit to yourself, not to anyone else, not to me, you know it. There's something wrong with me. It's something wrong with the way I think. Something wrong with the way I act. Something wrong with the way I talk. Something wrong with the way I treat each other. Something wrong with, with my relationship with Jesus. There's just something wrong with me and Jesus this morning I admit that to you there's something wrong with me help me help me and this one that's wrong with me I know you don't want it to stay that way I know you don't now, there's some other things I'm not sure of have you noticed this 
Listen. Satan condemns broadly. There's another word I, I can't think of. Satan condemns broadly, uni universally. Satan condemns. He says, you're, you're no good. You never will be good. Stop, stop trying to be good. You failed before. You'll fail again. So why even try? You're no good. You never will be good. Satan condemns uni universally, broadly. He just throws it out there. Y'all are no good, and you never will be. Just stop trying. Satan condemns broadly. Jesus convicts specifically. Specifically, that's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with me. He puts his finger on it. This is what we need to deal with to, today, right now, this, this morning. Hey, we'll deal with the other 10 things, the other 100 things some, some other day. But today, we're going to deal with this thing. And you know what it is. Admit it. You know what it is. What is wrong with you? You, you know. Admit it. Yes, Jesus, you have put your finger on it. I know it. I can't hide it. Why? Because he sees it. Jesus, help me. What did Peter say when he was drowning? Jesus, help me. That's all you got to do. Jesus, help me. Why? Because he already sees it. There's no, there's no need in going through a long explanation of what's wrong with you. Why? Because he already sees it. He doesn't need that. He's just waiting for you to admit it and confess it and deal with it this morning, right now, right now. What is wrong with you? This next one's almost as difficult. For me, I'm dealing with what is wrong with you. The next one is what is right with you. Because you know that God made you. And you know, not everything is wrong with us. Some of it's right. But you're not using it. You're not doing anything with it. He's made you just the way you are. He made your mouth. He made your ears. He made your tongue. He made, he made you just the way that you are. And some of it is exactly right. And he, therefore, is calling us, drawing us to use that. But you're afraid to admit this is right and therefore I need to do something with it. God has made me in this way and therefore I need to take what he has given me that's right. He needs to take me, take me and, 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 and use me because there's so many things that I can do. Mother Teresa <clears throat> was asked one time, how do you know I, I wish I could have the quote in front of me. How do you know that God wants to use you? You know what she said? Because I'm breathing. Because I'm breathing. How do you know God wants to use you? Because you're breathing. And you're here. You're able to get here. You're able to watch. You're able. You're able. You are able. Because God made you so. There is something right with you. Use it. Do something with it. There is, there is no more time for excuses. Well, I'm not. Yes, you are enough. He's made you the way you are. He's given you what you need for that thing. Not more than you need. Isn't that what he said? Paul, my grace is sufficient. What's the word? Enough. Not more than enough. Enough. Just, I know, I know this feeling, it's just enough. Lord, I wish, if, if, if you would give me more, no, I don't need to give you more, God. I've already given you everything. I've already made you exactly what you need to be. I was watching a, a preacher. He was going to deal with a specific verse that I was struggling with, and I wanted to hear what he had to say about it. I've never watched him before. I hope this turns out right. Uh, never watched him before. So anyway, he, he's up there. He's, he's, he's big time. Okay, he's big time. And it's not going to be the person you think it is. I've never watched this person before. But I, I, I can't help it. He, he had a jacket on. 
And it, you know how some guys put a handkerchief in their pocket of their jacket? Okay, fine. Uh, but this was gaudy, and it didn't match anything, okay? Gaudy. Look, I mean, your eyes are just drawn. And this fella was slick. He, and I could tell, everything was scripted. You know, turn this way, look, turn that way, look. At this time, do this, at this time. And I, I, just, I just stopped watching. So that's not, that's not helping me. Why? Because it's not real. It's not real. And when it comes to spiritual things and doing God's work, do you think that people are so dumb that they can't tell if you're putting on a show? Do you think that people are so dumb that they can't tell that what you're trying to do is scripted? That doesn't help them. That doesn't help any of us. We don't, we don't like that. We don't want that in our spiritual life. And when I need, I need somebody, when they're affecting me, when they're helping me, I just need them to be real. The band doesn't know this. I was never so glad to see you struggle with that song. Okay? When you struggle with there was Jesus and had to stop and start again, what's that mean? You're what? Human. And what do you think the rest of us, oh, well, they, they no, we, we don't care about that. We don't care about that. And I want you to let the band know, we don't care about that. Give us Jesus. Sing about Jesus. Present Jesus to us. Do it for Jesus' sake. Give us Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we need. What do you think your friends want? They need Jesus. They don't need your slickness. They don't need your scriptedness. They don't need what you think is perfection. God has given you something. God has given you a gift. God has given you things that you, that you can do. Use it for the kingdom. Use it for his sake. What is right with you? Then admit this is right with you. And I no longer have any more excuses. This, God has gifted me. God has given me enough. I can do this. I am able to do this. And so I'm going to do this. What is right with you? And this morning, I think the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on what you can do now we've already dealt with what's wrong with you but this is what's right with you you can do this so get up and do this for the kingdom of God's sake people are starving for Jesus and people who have him that will present him and, and help them and f help them to find him not in perfection not in scriptedness not in uh, a show this isn't a Branson show this is church Help them find Jesus just with what you are and who you are. I'd like for the musicians to come. I hope they don't mess this song up too. <laughs> but it would fit if you do. And we'll forgive you if you... Thank you. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. Everybody in the room is human. Stand with me if you would. I'd like for you to bow your head. and I need you to be enough to respond. Quit putting it off. Some of you, and maybe both, but some of you, you know what's wrong. And I need you to be honest to get this thing right because it's wrong. I need you to be honest to get this thing right. I need to come. Or, I, hey, maybe I just need to stay in my seat and take care of it. Whatever. But we're, giving, we're going to give you the chance to come. You can stand, kneel, sit on the front seat. But I'm serious enough about it that I'm going to come and get this thing right. At least start the process of getting this thing right. Because there's something wrong with me. And I need to be healed. I need to be cleansed. And some of you, there's something right with you. 
but you're not doing anything about it. You need to come and get this really right. Lord, I need to start doing something with what you have given me. If you need to come, I need you to be honest enough and brave enough to come before the Lord and get this right. In Jesus' name, while they play and sing. Jesus, you are enough. 